It seems a little bit uh, quiet in here this morning, so we're going to do a spiritual exercise. <clears throat> Get you livening up this morning. Everybody ready? We're going to go hands, shoulder, hips. Can I do that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just want to see what you do. Yeah. Or do we really need that? Because you guys look a little tired this morning. Pancakes? Is that it? So it's my fault. That's what you're saying. All right. <clears throat> well, once a year, we try to uh, uh, zero in on small groups. We call them life groups around here, but they're small groups. And uh, we try to zero in, trying to get everybody on board, trying to get everybody involved in a small group, uh, our life groups, because it is life-changing. Can I hear an amen? Life groups are life-changing because... We're in a small group, and we're going to look at what the Bible talks about, and really the basis for small group. It, it, it seems like it's kind of a new thing in the last 20 years, but it's really not. It was actually, it's actually in the Bible, all right? So we're going to look at that, but we're going to, before we do that, uh, our president has said that he's made today a national day of prayer, right? Because of Texas. Can I hear an amen? That's what our president... So I've got a, a guy, he's going to come forward. You got the mic, brother? Amen. amen. All the people said? Amen. amen. All right, so small groups this morning, <clears throat> life groups. We're going to look at the Bible because it's... Life groups in our church, it's not a program. All right, just, just set that straight. It's not a program. It is actually our church. Because the body is made up of cells. And when those cells are healthy, then the whole body is healthy. And so I know we're a brand new church and we're, you know, this is our second year. And so small groups are going to eventually come to, come into their own where people are going to stay in those small groups. But we're kind of using small groups in a little different way to help because there's so many new babes in Christ here that we want to establish a foundation. And small groups is a great way to do that. It's kind of using it for discipleship. But eventually, we're going to get into a small group probably next year where you're going to stay for a while, a couple of years, as the Lord leads you, and that's going to be your family. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, there's a prototype in the Old Testament, and there's a prototype in the New Testament for this, all right? And so I want you to go back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18 to begin with, all right? Exodus 18, then we'll go to the New Testament in just a moment. Exodus 18, Moses just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, all right? And so... so He's gathering them all around, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh, Jethro comes and visits him. Now, Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. He's the outlaw. How many have an outlaw? All right? All right? Bruce, did you see that hand raise over here? I just want you to see that. All right? All right, so outlaw. All right? So our, our in-law. So he comes, and, he, and he's so excited because of what, I mean, what God has done for Moses and the family and what God has done for the nation of Israel. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. So he's rejoicing. He's excited. Look at verse 1 of 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and the children, or Israel and the people, and how the Lord brought them out of Egypt. So he's excited, and um, it goes on in the chapter about how he's just coming to visit for a while. And Moses goes out the next day. Look at verse 13. 
It says, the next day, that's after Jethro uh, came and visited, Moses sat down to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses. Now, now just think about, there's, there's three million, two to three million Jews that came out of Egypt. And they're all sitting around, are those that have struggles in this people. Now, can, can you imagine, we're just a church of 150, you know, just, a, just, just getting going. Can you imagine a church of three million? And how many problems you have? Well, what happened here is, is all the people came and they stood around Moses. Now, notice this, from morning till evening. And, and what did they do? We go back up to verse, uh, uh, what is it, uh, verse 18, or actually verse 15. The people came for one purpose only, and that was to hear from the Lord. So all the conflicts that the people had, they would come to Moses to get their answers whether they had marital problems or kids' problems, they wanted to, you know, shoot their kids or whatever, Moses would, would help them and counsel them. And if they had problems financially with people or whatever, Moses would give them a word from the Lord from morning till evening. So Jethro saw this. And Jethro says, says Moses, what are you doing? Now, this is a father-in-law, all right, telling the son-in-law, okay, how to run his ministry. All right. Now, normally, uh, when that happens, how do you react when your in-law, all right, begins to tell you how to live your life? Is anybody like that? How, how many struggle in that area? I just want you to get the setting here. All right. How many struggle when your husband or your wife tries to tell you? I mean, we we okay. We we all struggle, but here most and he listens. It's fantastic. And, and so uh, uh, Jethro tells him in verse 23, or follow me, or excuse me, verse 21. Moreover, look for able men, now, now notice the wisdom, able men from all the people who fear God and who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such a man over the chief people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. All right, so you have all these these groups of ten, and over the groups of ten, you have this guy, and you have you have fifty people, and you have four, five guys over these, and then over them you have another uh, uh, guy that's over those those uh, uh, fifty, and then you have another guy that's over. I mean, it just keeps going up. So it's small, like ten people. Why why would you have a group of just ten people? Because those of us who are bashful don't talk up in a big crowd. Now, there's some of you here that just stand up in front of three million like Moses and just talk and have no problem. But the majority of us feel more comfortable with a small setting. When you have a small setting, there's more fellowship and there's more communication. Everybody opens up. But, but the point is, is the Old Testament has this. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Let's look at the, the New Testament prototype of small groups. Acts chapter 1. Follow along in your notes. How many, you all have your notes? All the verses are right there. Now, it starts out with uh, verse 15. And it said, in those days, Peter stood up among the brother. The company of persons were about 120 people. Okay. Then, so you have 120 people. The next chapter, 
At the end of chapter 2, there's 3,000 people. Verse 41. 3,000 souls got saved. So, so the beginning of this church, they started out with 3,000 people. Now, how in the world can you have small groups with that? Well, it's not just 3,000. Let's keep going. All right? Let's look over at um, chapter... Look at 47. We're still here. Look, look at verse 47. So the people were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, notice this, added to the number day by day those that were going to be saved. So, so notice the word adding. Okay, everybody follow me, okay? So there's 3,000 souls, but the Lord is adding to the body of Christ daily. Chapter 5, look at verse 14. Do we have that on the screen? All right. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. All right. Look at chapter 6 and verse 7. Do you have that verse? Nope, that's fine. I'll read it. Verse 7, it says, And the word of the Lord continued and increased, and numbers of disciples multiplied greatly. Notice the word is no longer adding but it's multiplying. Everybody see that? Now, let's go to Acts 21.10. Do you have that? Or 21.20. There you go. All right. So, so in chapter 6, all of a sudden it talks about that there's 5,000 men besides women and children. So that's 15,000. So the church has grown to 15,000. Now, notice here, it says, and when they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brethren, how that many... What's that word? Thousands. Notice it's plural. Okay. So it started out as adding, then it began multiplying, and here we have thousands. It's, it really means 10,000 upon 10,000. In other words, it's a number that, that they, they're done counting. That's how big this church is. Okay. I'm just simply setting the stage here for... For small groups. Now, you have to ask the question, if there's that many people, how in the world can you have a place to meet? All right? Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's go back. All right? Let's go back to Acts 5.42. Do you have that one? Acts 5.42. Okay. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Okay? So they had two, two groups, two times they met, two places they met. They had the large worship, which is the temple, and actually it's, it's part of the temple. And, and then they also had house to house. So they had, actually, in the book of Acts, they had small groups. Of that. Can you imagine the houses, how many Bible studies, how many prayer meetings were going on in the city of Jerusalem? That's why they were able to turn that city upside down with their doctrine, with their teaching. That whole city was just turned upside down because people were in their homes, they were studying the Word of God, they were praying, and they literally caught a fire. In a crowd like this, it's difficult to talk about issues where you're struggling. Am I right? You can't stop and say, hey, preacher, 
Can you answer this question about that passage? Or, or, Pastor, I'm struggling in this area. I, I, I used to read all the time. I used to pray all the time. I don't do any of that anymore. How many would do that here publicly? Somebody just text somebody that. All right. But none of us would do that up here. But in a small setting, all of a sudden, there's communication, there's accountability, and there's openness. Where we're actually telling people, man, I'm struggling with this sin. And this sin is the reason why God's not blessing your life. Remember? Obedience always brings what? Blessings. We talked about that last week. Obedience always brings blessings disobedience always brings chastisement suffering all right obedience always brings blessing say that with me obedience always brings blessings okay obedience always brings what it does get that in your head because that will all i mean once you get that and you digest it and you're if you begin or if you're living in sin or something you you shouldn't be doing you're not being blessed you wonder why? Why isn't God's hand on me? Why isn't He blessing me? And, and you, you're, you will not give this up. And you're wondering why? Okay, obedience always brings blessings. Period. God blesses. All right. So, so small group is important because that's where we can communicate and hold people accountable. It's vital to get involved in a small group because big, big churches you just can't do that kind of thing. All right. Let's jump into it. Five reasons we have small groups. Okay? Number one, as we just have seen, it's biblical. All right? It's biblical. Just, we just didn't. When Jesus, when he, when, when he first got in the ministry, he literally was baptized. He, he went 40 days and 40 nights to temptation. What did he do after that? He chose his small group. And he ran with his small group for three and a half years. That was his small group. And he was investing in his disciples. So it's a biblical principle. Number two, it's personal. We already talked about that. It's personal care. Okay? We can actually care for each other. And the needs that each other has. It's flexible. You can have a small group in a Starbucks. You can have a small group in your home. You can have a small group in your house. It's flexible. It's expandable. I mean, small groups should be growing, inviting people to your small group so it, it expands, and then you start a small group out of another one. And economical. Okay? What do you mean by that? Well, we're, we, we're going to have six small groups. And if we had to have a church building and we had to rent this building another day, are two days a week in order to have a small group, it would be expensive. Right now, we have, this, we have one service a week, and it almost costs us two grand a month. So can you imagine renting this three times as much as we're renting? So it's economical to go into each other's homes and have these Bible studies, because all it costs is you guys making some food. Amen? And bringing me an energy drink. When we, when we have these meetings, it's... it's, it's it's economical, all right? Number two, look at your notes there. Uh, what do you do in small groups? Well, let's go back to Acts 42, or Acts 2, and look at 
verse 42. Now, I'm actually not going to read all of that, but let's just go down through eight things we see that take place in that text. Verses 42, Acts 2, 42 through 47. All right? Number one, they studied the apostles' doctrine. They studied the Bible. That's what you do. All right? Now, that is not our main purpose necessarily at small group. Our main purpose in small group is for fellowship. Okay? Fellowship, if you go to First Pete or First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-four, it talks about gentleness after, talks about being kind. A servant of the Lord must not strive, but be kind. Listen. Not strive, but be kind. That word kind means loving, generous. Okay? And, and then it says, teach. So before a person actually is open to you and your teaching and the Bible study, there needs to be this bridge built. There needs to be that you're, you're, you really care about them. And what happens when, when you build this relationship in this small group, people feel comfortable and they will open up. Their walls will come down. Then you can teach. The servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle and teach. Gentleness, kindness comes before teaching. Now, I know when you're zealous, you just want to teach, 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 and cram it down, but it doesn't work that way. People don't accept it. They're going to know that you really love them, that you really care. And then as this atmosphere opens up, then people open up their minds and their hearts to what God has to say. All right, so Bible study, second fellowship. We already talked about that. Number three, if you look at there, they, they had communion. They went house to house having communion. Well, we're going to do that. You say, why don't you have communion on Sunday morning? Well, we do every now and then, but Sunday morning is more of a time for us inviting unbelievers, all right? Unchurched, okay? Our philosophy is this Sunday morning is for everybody. Communion is for what? Believers, now, it doesn't hurt an unbeliever to take it. I'm not saying anything. They're an unbeliever. They're not saved anyway, right? <laughs> All right. But my point is, Jesus had communion. It was for believers. So at, in our houses, when we have our small groups, we're going we're gonna to set a couple of weeks aside where you're there with the church. And can you imagine 10 of you sitting around and reading 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where it talks about before you take this that represents the death and burial and the resurrection, before you take this, the Bible says that we need to be clean. There's only 10 of you. And, and what we do is we first have to examine ourselves, make sure we're clean. See, when you have a big crowd, everybody hears that and it kind of goes, am I right? It just goes one end and not the other. But when you're in a small group of 10 to 12 people and you hear that, that before you take communion, you need, to, you need to spend some time with the Lord. Lord, help me to see if there's anything in my life that would keep me from taking this. And then the Holy Spirit takes the flashlight and He shines it. Can I hear an amen? And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. But when you're in a church setting, it's like everybody's watching me. You know, so so we, just, we, just, we get in church Sunday morning mode. But in small group, it's not like that. You're not in this this Christianity fake mode. 
Does that offend anybody? That doesn't, does it? I mean, Sunday morning is kind of, we put our mask on, we look good, right? We look good. You know, we're just, just you know, punching our clock, we're, you know. Small, <laughs> okay, small group, you don't get away with that kind of stuff. It's, it's just, just, it's fantastic. Now, Sunday morning has this place of exhortation, teaching, definitely worship. And we need to get a little bit more involved in worship. I know we're young, but let's just practice this. Can we, can we, just, can we just practice? Can you lift up your hand? Can everybody just lift up their hand real quick? Just, just lift it up and, and say, praise the Lord. Okay, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. And we could all do that. You act like you're a bunch of Baptists in here. I mean, that last song, it just stirs you. And we don't want to be Bapticostal or whatever you call it, but we want to get excited. I mean, there's something to get excited about. I heard something back there. Amen. All right, I need, I'm rambling, all right. Number four, they prayed for each other. Good stuff. I mean, specifically prayed for something they wouldn't tell anybody else. But on, on, on these small groups, these life groups, I mean, people open up and they tell their innermost struggles with their addiction. They struggle with these things. And we all struggle with things. And it'd be nice if we had a brother or sister that knew us completely, besides our spouse, because our spouse just lets us, you know, oh yeah. But our brother and sister would be, hold us accountable. All right, we all have these struggles. Okay, number five, uh, help each other in practical ways. That's in verse 45. They, they sold their possessions, they brought them here, and they, they helped. I mean, you know, I think last week we helped somebody with the, with the rent. I think this week we're going to help somebody with their utilities. Small groups, is, that's a great way to meet each other's needs. I, I, I love this story. In the last four churches we started, we've had small groups. But this one specific small group or life group we had, we had probably 12 people in it. And Judy and I had been talking with this couple. They were in Dusty's basketball game. So they'd, they'd come in. Of course, they knew we were, we were preachers. And so they would sit on the other side of the bleacher. Okay. But we'd always go by and shake their hand and give them a hug, you know, and just, just try to build that, you know. And it's just kind of a, yeah, 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 you know. So, so our small group started praying for them. And they went through some struggles. So we took an offering amongst our small group, 12 people. I think it was 300 bucks. Because we were praying and really putting our heart. So we go there Christmas time. Didn't have any, you know, much Christmas because there were some financial problems. And they opened the door and we sang. That was horrible. We, we sang Christmas songs. That was really bad. And, uh, but they felt sorry for us. And they bawled and bawled and bawled right there at the door. I mean, seriously. Then the next, I think it was basketball. I don't know if it was basketball. I think it was basketball. I, I came there and the guy, grabbed, he's like six foot four. He grabbed me and he wouldn't let go of me. I mean, it really made an impression. A few months later, they come to church. They get saved. Then they start coming to that small group. I mean, it's a great place to meet people's needs. Practical needs. I mean, babysit for them. Take them a meal. Six, eat together. As you follow the Lord's ministry in the New Testament, you'll notice that Jesus, he talks, 
he teaches in two different ways. When, when, when he, he taught a lot when he walked, when all the disciples were walking somewhere, he taught a lot. And then also when they sat down to eat, he instructed them. Now, why would he do that? Because, especially eating, okay, and walking, it, it, it seems like the walls come down. I think it's, with men, it's like open mouth and the brain just disengages or something, you know, because we love meat. How many love that sausage? Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. I mean, just, and, and Jesus did that. I mean, it's just the way we're, we're I mean, the, we're relaxed. It's a great atmosphere. And Jesus began, well, when you first come into a, a life group of ours, we have food. And that does relax you. And then you sit down and you belly up and you're ready. Number seven, they, and all of this is found in those verses, 42 to 47, every single part of this, all right? The communion door-to-door, they had communion in, in houses, which is taboo in most churches. Oh, I can't do that. It's just wrong. Well, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst, and you are the church. I mean, on Sunday morning, we have 50 people gone every Sunday anyway, right? So we can't have communion until they get here. It ain't ever going to happen. Because the majority of church people today, they're every other week. But you guys are every week, amen? amen. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are real. Tables are not a good thing. <laughs> okay? Need you very uncomfortable. Seven, praise the Lord. Brag about God. Sing. I mean, talk about. I mean, when you begin to talk about how God is so good, all of a sudden it causes everybody else in the room to do what? The same thing. How often, and I don't want to just keep chasing around, how often does God bless you and you don't stop your world and say, happens all the time, doesn't it? He pours out his blessings and then we say, thank you, Lord, and then we just go on. Rather than stopping and worshiping and adoring and praising Him seriously for just moving, invading your life and blessing. And last of all, bring people to the Lord. Bring people to Jesus. All right? A small group is a great way to invite people to church. Because <laughs> a lot of people won't come. I've been, I've been working out. I've been inviting people already. I haven't started a life group, but I'm inviting three people from the gym to our life group. You know? And I think they'll come. I know Mitch. I'm pretty sure Mitch is going to come. You know, he began making excuses, but by the time he said, okay, okay, so when is it and where is it? See, then they come, and then all of a sudden... As we talked about, the walls come down because it's this intimate, and they've had all this struggle with God. Well, why is if this God is this great loving God? Why does He let all this stuff happen? I mean, that's the place that you can get your your your, your questions and those things that Satan uses to 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 hinder the gospel. Those are the places where that gospel wall can come down. Not the gospel wall, but those walls that harden their heart. All right. Last of all. Uh, look at six benefits now to life groups. Six benefits. And we'll go through this quickly and we'll be done and you'll get home early compared to last, compared to last week. All right? What are the benefits of, of life groups? Number one, it connects us to the body of Christ. 
Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Look what this says. Now, you are the body of Christ. Now, notice this. Individual members of it. So when you get together in, in life group, you're actually connecting with, the, with other members, individual members of the body of Christ. Number two, you understand the Bible better. You understand the Bible better. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 30 and 31. Um, yeah, this, I, wanted, I wanted the message, but the, the message talks about, in the translation of the message, it talks about how that when, you, when, you, when somebody else gets a revelation or understanding that you do not have. And does that ever happen? Does God reveal a truth to somebody else that, that he hasn't revealed to you yet? If yours is an affirmative yes, then you're struggling in an area. Because all of us are at different spots in our spiritual life. And God reveals truth to all of us in different times of our life. The Bible says, uh, when Jesus, with his disciples, he says, I have many things to say to you, talking to the disciples, but you're just not ready to hear it. Just not ready. And we're all at different spots. And so when, when somebody else gets a revelation, they can reveal what God has given to you. Like on Sunday morning, the last thing I want from you is to stand up and say, God spoke to me here, and you start telling us. I mean, total chaos. All right? If Josh got a revelation, Tim got a revelation, David got a revelation, I'd never get to preach because everybody else is wanting to give their revelation. Well, you can in small group. All right? That's what it's for. It's designed for everybody, not one person, to dominate the life group. Not the outgoing and the more one has all the wisdom to dominate. Number three, prayer becomes meaningful and powerful. Look at Matthew chapter 18, 19, and 20. All right, meaningful and powerful. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about asking or about anything they ask, agree, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. My wife and I grab a hold of this verse all the time. And we go to the throne and we quote this to the Lord. Lord, we're agreeing and we're praying for this one specific person that physically needs your touch. I mean, it's meaningful, powerful. You got this whole small group praying together. Number four, you're able to handle your stress better. Galatians 6 2 says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the what? Law of Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so bear one another's burdens. You're able to handle it because you have this support system. Now, what do I mean by support system? A life group, when you come together, you come Yes, for the purpose of you, you also come for others. You're there for others. See, a lot of people come to church because they want to be fed. Or they want this ministry, or they want that ministry. That's the problem with this small church is you don't have all these ministries. But we don't want all those ministries anyway. We want to laser focus on winning people to Christ and discipling. 
that's it. If we have all these ministries, I mean, we're going to be bogged up. Laser focus on discipleship, bringing people from immaturity to maturity. Now, we're not even close to that. We haven't set that stage up yet because we're so new. But that's what our goal is. But we want to come to church. We don't want people to come to church because they get all their needs met here. We want people to come to church, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Exhort one another and encourage them and provoke others unto love and good work. Come so you can be a minister. Can I hear it? Amen. Man, that's good preaching. That's good stuff. Totally different philosophy than Christianity today. You know, totally different. All right? It's a place we can practice unselfishness. Great stuff. And then last of all, each person gets to exercise, listen very carefully, their gifts, their talents, their past experiences, and their desires. On Sunday morning church, you guys don't have that opportunity. There's only so many teachers. There's only so many greeters. There's only so many preachers. So most of everybody just come and, and, and they're they're a spectator on Sunday morning. But in small group, it's not that way. Small group, it's life group, it's completely different. Everybody can be engaged. Because the ministry of encouragement. How many people have you hugged this morning? Can you, can you think maybe five? Maybe one? I've hugged about 30, 40, 50 people today. But most people aren't going to run around and hug everybody. How many, how many have hugged everybody they shook hands with? How many got a hug today? Good. Everybody almost, okay? But in a life group, you can do that. You can literally sit down and talk one-on-one with somebody and focus on them where you can on Sunday morning because we only have an hour and a half together or an hour. That's all we have. Two hours. <laughs> I don't think it's two hours. Is it really two hours? No. 10.30, 11.30. Okay? So, you get an opportunity to use your gifts, your past experiences. They are God's teacher in your life. And we all have different past. Right? And, and, and I'm amazed. I love my, I love my past. And I dip back in there all the time and I teach with it. You know, sometimes my kids say, not again, Dad. Not this story. You know, but there's so much good stuff back there. You'll get to use that as you begin to talk and communicate the stuff. It's fantastic. So, I'm just encouraging you that this is what we're doing, life groups, is Bible, first of all, all right? And we want to do, real life wants to do what the Bible says. So back on the table are these sheets. And I want you this morning to commit a small group. I want you to commit to a life group. And again, we've we're, we got two, uh, two classes that we're going to use 
and everybody that's going to be used in the ministry has to go through per, um, panorama Bible study and then uh, uh, study group, study Bible. Okay, those two, study Bible and, and panorama. Those two, pretty well everybody, but we have a couple years before everybody has to go through it. But we're offering both, all right? So if you can, if this is a time when you can get involved, do it. But don't just write your name down and never show up or show up every other week. This is something we really want you to commit to. Because I promise you, you commit to this small group, your spiritual growth. You might be just saved here just a few weeks, all right? Uh, you might be, for, you, you, you've been saved forever, but you haven't grown these life groups are going to take you from where you're at to the next level. It's going to take you there. Guarantee it. If you get engaged. If you're on the sideline, it won't do nothing. If you go, if you go, if you go to a small group and you never prepare, <laughs> you just show up. I mean, God's going to speak to you and God's going to do some things. But the best way to do it is really do your homework. Do your homework. And I promise you. And, and, and we've made it where it's light homework. It's not nothing deep. You don't have to go home and, and memorize 10 verses for next week. It's not the way it is. Because I just want to encourage you. Get involved. Be committed. All right, the band's going to come up. We're going to play one more song. Usher, oh, actually, no ushers today. At all of these front tables, there's an offering plate or a bucket. All right? Kentucky Fried Chicken Bucket. All right? Now, I have a bouncer at each table. So they're going to make sure everybody gives. Once you give, take it to the next table. Pass it to the next table and then straight to the back. And Bruce will get the, gather the buckets into the back, all right? And so they're going to pray as that buckets go past. But let's all stand first, sing the song. Hey, are we going to sing that last song that you sang? Yeah. What's that? Can we sing that last song so we can worship the Lord? I'm going to see how many hands raise as we worship the Lord this time. All right? Sing this song, then you're dismissed. Again, Lord bless you and have a great week.